Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Fear the Talking Queer. Part 2. Two? Who's gonna do that? Sequels suck. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Oh, that was different. Yeah, I changed it up today. <laughs> hey, bitch. Every time I edit this, I hear the same hey, bitch. So, you know, I'm just trying something new. How did it you look? You talking about me, me bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'm gonna be like, hey, bitch. Yeah. Aggressive. What's up, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, we have quite the episode lined up today. We have a a lot to discuss. So first off, last month, we raised a good amount of money for the Center for Black Equity. Yes, we did. How much did we we raise? Less than $100. (laughs) Wait, that's good, though. But you know what, bitch? Every dollar matters. It was like... That's 30%. Right. It was 30%. I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. No, 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 no. We raised a good chunk. Yes, I agree. And um, so we donated that, and then we have some new fashions out for March. So we have um, a sort of Top Story with Gail Weathers, and it kind of is, you know, in line with the design of Top Story from Scream 1, of course, the show that Gail Weathers reports for. Who? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know who. <laughs> the Craft. <laughs> Remember that part uh, of Scream 2? <laughs> yeah. Who's this? Who's this? Uh, Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders. <laughs> Another girl on the phone. Who? That's yeah, yeah. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Out of all the parts. Out of all the parts. Uh, who? <laughs> it's always those little sound bites I get. It us. is. Uh, it always gets us. They're so funny. They're so funny. Um, and then we have the craft. And it's a, that's this is a sophisticated design, girl. It's like a flat holographic design looking. And it says the craft, sort of in line with the book that they, you know, study the craft out of. The book of Manon. Manon. It got stars in the sleeve. Check it out. And then it's we have cute. also a custom VHS stack, but bitch, not for a licensing issue. Yeah, yes. Okay. We're figuring it out. And this is probably going to be the, the best solution to this. Because the VHS yes. stack... Is cute as fuck. It, it, it it's is. It's cute. I'm mad. But okay, so, but this one is our logo and the design of like movie titles. And it's real cute. It's real cute. Check it out. BeerTheTalkingQueers.com slash store. <laughs> oh, and then this month we're donating 30% of our sales to MS. So Accelerated Cure for MS, which helps to accelerate the cure from ms girl yeah absolutely <laughs> because i think the first week of march is um ms awareness week multiple sclerosis is what we're talking about here if you don't yes. know now you know yeah right exactly we got to help out our girl selma blair okay right she is, we love her and uh you know we got to make sure that we are contributing and so we're really excited to continue you know helping out and um doing what we can even if it is a small amount of money because yeah like we said any dollar helps any dollar so, counts, yeah, go out there and get some new merch because yeah. the new merch is for a good cause charitable queens that's right <laughs> that's what 30- everybody should be oh and also i did want to be transparent it's 30 percent of our earnings right not the complete sale so it's 30 percent you know uh, just to be as transparent as possible because you know charitable queens. absolutely yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're not trying to like pull the fucking wool over people's eyes, like right. Yeah, we got to be no. honest about what we're we're donating, but um, right. Yeah, so so help us out. That's uh, 
that'd be really nice and lovely. So donate today. Actually, <laughs> buy our merch today and help us donate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. So this week we were sort of wanting to discuss a topic that is really relevant to the cinephile group out there, these people yeah. who love movies, because the future of movie theaters is is kind of up in the air. Girl, yes. It's scary. Yeah, and it's kind of sad and heartbreaking. And so we just kind of wanted to, you know, throw out how we feel about it. Um, because it is something that affects our little community. Our, yeah. You know, just our, not just our podcast community, but just the people who love films in general. Yeah. Um, it's kind of heartbreaking and sad to hear what's happening with movie theaters and how many are shutting down and what the future of them are with the influx of on-demand streaming services. So how yeah. do you feel about it? Well, I feel uh, torn in a, in a way, yeah. but I see the Same. positives and negatives to it. And I, I think I was really um, pressed about this issue when I learned that Scream 5, which is not even coming out until January 2022, that that was going to be... right on demand sort of like freaky like it's gonna be in theaters for a week and then it's gonna go on to like on demand and same thing with halloween kills um is also gonna be vod i think the same day as it premieres in theaters and so right i remember when they started first doing that with like limited release movies they would also do on demand same day and i remember thinking well that movie's cheap so in a way, to me, it sort of cheapens the film. But at the same time, I get why we're doing it. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. And even yeah. though those vaccines are coming out, we still don't know how effective those are. So we don't know if people are going to start getting it again or what's going to happen, you know. So, I mean, I guess this is the safest way. Yeah, and but... it's like a way to plan ahead, you know, for yeah. this industry that does rely on those on people you know paying money to see them i mean these are huge movies like movies are not cheap to make yeah like these cost millions and millions of dollars and and a lot of that comes from the profits they make from just opening weekend or just their yeah. gross sales and theaters and things like that so it's really important to continue putting these movies out and to make a profit off of them so they can keep making the movies that we love and right. um, so it makes sense when, you know, the fate of movie theaters opening is so up in the air, like what's the next step? And mm. and I guess they're just trying to cater to to everybody who, you know, some people at that point may not still be comfortable going out. You right. know, this is a traumatic time it is. in the world. And we're know? complaining and, about and, movie and, theaters. <laughs> right, exactly. True. But it's like, <laughs> what's interesting about it is that it calls into question, like, the quote-unquote end of this pandemic like right it's not just going to be one single date where it's like this is over, it's over. everyone's been throw your masks in yeah. the air and everyone that got vaccinated that wanted to get vaccinated got vaccinated and that's the majority yeah. and we're done yeah <laughs> right no it's not going to be like that what yeah. what it's going to be and i've read about it is that it's going to be a gradual thing where people are going to have to decide for themselves whether or not like what they feel comfortable doing like yeah. how quickly like am i ready to go out am i ready to do this and it's not going to be you know an overnight thing it's going to take time for everybody to do that so i understand yeah. the the need to to make these things accessible to everybody who aren't going to be in completely comfortable going out even maybe in january totally totally I think what I 
find interesting is that, um, but I'm thinking of like the end result. Like I still honestly think that they'll be doing this video on demand stuff even after everything else has opened up. Like once we get to a point where oh, everything yeah. is opened up, I still think it's going to be like this. And I think what we're going to start to see is like the decline of movie theaters. I really do. Because I mean, we saw it with VHSs to DVD to Blu-ray to 4K now to like just you purchase your stuff digitally. And then yeah. we saw from Blockbuster to Redbox to VOD. So the and because, you know, it's the convenience of it all. Once we find something that's convenient, we love that's it. what we want. Yeah. Which we love it. We love convenience. I mean, yeah, I, and it, what is heartbreaking about it to me is that the movie theater is like my home away from home. I love the experience of going to going there. I love getting my fucking bucket of popcorn right. and sitting down and having all the lights go down and everybody is collectively watching this movie. Like, there's, you know... Pe- you're getting the sound it. from all angles. Yes. Yes. Yes, you're getting that surround sound. You're... The feeling, like the just the rumbling of the theater, like the adrenaline. Um, it gives you like adrenaline. It's like an addiction. Right. It's like a drug. Right. So, so I think of it like, you know, I've been really enjoying these. I, you know, I have been purchasing some some VOD movies, like the new releases, like Promising Young Woman and Barb and Star, and The Craft Freaky. Legacy. Uh, yeah. God, I, can't <laughs> I own that now. Oh my, ah! What the fuck? I don't want to own that. Oh my god. But it's like, so like, I have enjoyed these things, but then I think about when I saw A Star is Born and I saw it in the Dolby cinemas at the AMC. Oh, yeah. You know, the ones with like that massive sound system. Yes. And it was like, oh, it like, it changed the whole experience. Like, I felt like I was in a motherfucking rock concert while watching this movie. And I think, like, oh no things like that won't happen again if we start the magic yeah the magic will be ruined if we start getting rid of movie theaters and that is where it's heartbreaking to me yeah the feeling that it gives you and the attention you have to pay because you're not like distracted by your phone you're not distracted by so and so over here talking or on their phone right like you know and everyone's invested everybody's in this together. Everybody's sitting watching this film from beginning to end. The moment that those lights go down in the movie theater, I'm just in my happy place. And so it's really sad. It's really sad to think about, but yeah, um, but I think this is where we're headed. I think this was the future (laughs) of cinema. Right. Exactly. And I, you know, I guess it's all going to be about how much you are willing to still support that system of you know going to the movie theater i guess that'll mm-hmm. depend on how many close and how many stay open so it'll be really right. interesting to see i have i have no idea what those statistics are going to be here yeah i'd be going out and doing what i, I but, don't think um, they really know but i know that stocks are dropping for movie theaters and they're saying well, you yeah, can either gamble your money and invest in the movie theaters for when they do reopen but honestly it doesn't sound very promising um i do think though that they reopened here in napa because we're in the red tier which is like the least it sounds bad but it's like the least or whatever yeah so they opened up all indoor dining to a certain capacity and things like that orange county we met we missed moving tiers by like 0.3 percent or something like a fraction of a percent so now we're still in i think was the purple tier which is like the not the worst for yeah. a few more weeks so that means we just got out of no, that. no indoor dining no none of this for where I yeah. live 
So it's like, oh God, can people just get their fucking shit together? Yeah, Wear a mask, seriously. stay home. Wear a mask, stay home. If you don't want to get vaccinated, do what you need to do to stay well so that stay, we can get stay, past this. Right, and stay the fuck away from people. Yeah. Yeah, for now for now just for now you guys just for now um i do want to say though that the pro to me with not having them is that it's cheaper i know that people are like shell-shocked at first like when they see the vod movie 19.99 but bitch like over here in napa i don't know what it's like for everybody else but these fucking tickets are 13.50 so already for me and andre it's like 27 bucks to go that's already more than vod and then you get the popcorn and the drinks we can never just get sodas it has to be beer and then uh, we end up with a 70 dollar movie trip right (laughs) and it's like damn yeah exactly the, the snacks are always more than the tickets Oh, for sure. Well, that's how movie theaters make their money. They don't make money off off the sales of the movie tickets. They make money off of concessions. Right. But me, I'm more than willing to throw my money at them. (laughs) I'm like, absolutely. Take my money and give me all the... Give me three buckets of popcorn. You're like, I want the Twizzlers. I want the M&M's. I want a large yes, popcorn, the yes. biggest one you have. I want a large beer. <laughs> yes, honestly, all of that. Give me that candy. Give me yeah. that that pretzel. Give me that, all that. I do like the idea, though, that when something comes out in theaters, it's also available to you at home. Because what if you just get, like, the biggest TV you can and the baddest that's, surround that's the sound? Yeah, my dad has yeah. an 80, it was an 82-inch, Damn. Like, so, brand new a wall. A wall, it's fucking huge and we've been like I'll go over to his place and we'll watch movies and it's like you're in the movie yeah he said the same thing he was kind of like I mean why do we need to go to a movie look at my TV and I was like I mean that's true it's, it's huge true. I'm I'm literally in my room right now and I have like a 62 inch TV right next to my yeah. bed yeah and I'm like I mean I, watching movies here is just as exciting just as big you know i have TVs to say our surround bigger. sound too like here's like yeah. sometimes when we're recording the podcast you can hear it in the background because it's so loud everything everything is just like clinking and clanking because the bass is so blocked like i love our surround sound and if we just had a bigger tv yeah. i'd be right in the movies <laughs> yeah that's true uh, I don't know. So what do you what do you guys think? Let us know in in the comments or let us know in our in a DM or anything. What do you think about movie theaters? Um, or the fate of them? We took a poll in our stories. I said, uh, "Scream Five oh. uh, news release: Scream oh, yeah. Five coming to VOD um, in January." What What do you guys think about that? And I, I put yes, hell yes, or whatever. And then like for the no, I put no safe theaters. And I think one person voted for no safe theaters, and everybody else said yes. I'm like, wow, I mean, this is the I, future. We, we want what we want quickly, and we want to uh, consume it at our own convenience, in our own, in the comfort of our own homes. And like you said, it is cheaper. So I don't know. I guess, I guess that's what people want. And I, and I know. you know what? That's absolutely fair. But it is going to be sad to see how it goes. But do you know what I do like, which I haven't uh, participated in yet, but I do just like the idea that they're around is like the influx of drive-in movie theaters. Oh, like, yeah. Because oh those were big when I was a kid. Yes. And then they just they just sort of disappeared. And then yeah. now they're popping up all over the place. And I'm like, I haven't gone to one yet, but I would love to. And I think that's fun. I think that's a, a great way to see to see films too right in the comfort of your own car the single screen movie theater that i used to work at up here in downtown um 
was doing outdoor movie nights with a like a drive-in style movie night. Yeah. I'm like, that's great. That's, that's super fun. I love that. Maybe that's the future. Maybe the future is the past. Oh. Oh my god. This is like fucking inception or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the future is the past of the past is the future. Yeah. Back to the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back to the 80s and their drive-in movies. Let's get to this movie. What are we doing this week? So this week we are doing the 2009 Sam Raimi return to horror, Drag Me to Hell. Dun, dun, dun. Which, uh, this is a bonkers ass movie that calls back to everybody's, not everybody's, but uh, many (laughs) a people's love for the Evil Dead films. Yes. um, Because because this is Sam Raimi's return to horror. You know, he had such success with Evil Dead and Army of Darkness and then took a big break from horror and was out there making these Spider-Man movies and shit. <sighs> and, uh, which I love. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man the first, movies. The first one is good. I like the, the first two are so good. No, the third so one's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I think the whole world has collectively decided to... Ex- <laughs> To ignore Spider-Man 3. Like, that doesn't exist. And, I guess the um, third one, the third movie is always a little off, huh? In every franchise. Yeah, yeah, because you can't recreate magic a third time. You can't catch lightning in a bottle for the third time. Yeah. It's all, you know, what's your favorite number three movie? Scream 3. <laughs> Yeah, but that movie is not that great. <laughs> we like it because it's Scream, not because it's a good movie. Right. What's the? Sorry, what's the best third movie? I honestly would say Friday the 13th Part 3. Even though I hate that franchise. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I mean, whatever. We, you, okay. you guys get the point. The third movie. <laughs> I have an answer for everything. We're like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> It's a rhetorical question, you dumb bitch. Yes, exa- yes exactly. <laughs> yes. Stupid. <laughs> so let's um, let's get into this movie because um, it's a crazy ride and uh, yeah. one that is calls for a lot of <laughs> analysis. So here yeah. is Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell, released in 2009, written by Ivan and Sam Raimi, directed by Sam Raimi. Our film begins in 1969, where a family seeks the help of a young Hispanic medium to help rid their son of a gypsy curse. While the boy has visions of demonic hands attempting to take his soul, the medium performs an exorcism. However, the demonic spirits intervene and throw the boy off the second story onto the ground below. As the boy begins to stand up, the floor beneath him splits open. A demonic hand begins to pull the boy under as he screams for help. As the medium watches the boy being dragged into hell, she vows that she and the spirit will meet again. Title card, Drag Me to Hell. Ooh, yes, RuPaul's Drag Me to Hell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) RuPaul's Drag Me to Hell. Now in present-day Los Angeles, we meet Christine Brown, played by Allison Lohman, a young loan officer who has her sights on the coveted assistant manager position at her bank branch. 
Her boss informs her that the promotion is between her and a newer employee, Stu, who has shown that he is more capable of making the tough decisions. On her lunch, Christine visits her boyfriend, Clay, played by Justin Long, whom she gifts a rare coin in a white envelope for his ever-growing coin collection. As she leaves his office, she overhears a conversation Clay has with his mother, where she tries to convince him to date a different, more successful girl than Christine, who grew up on a farm without any status. Back at work... (sighs) Oh my god, you're getting emotional. (laughs) Back at work... (laughs) I can't... They're just so mean to her. (laughs) They are. Oh my god. Okay. Back at work, Stu makes some passive-aggressive remarks towards Christine that upset her. Seeing Stu kiss her boss's ass with basketball tickets, she realizes she must work harder to achieve that promotion. Enter Sylvia Ganoush, played by Lorna Raver, an elderly Hungarian woman asking for a third extension on her mortgage payment before the bank seizes her house. When faced with the decision to extend the woman's credit or to make a tough decision, Christine's boss leaves it up to her. Eyeing the promotion, Christine makes the decision to deny the woman the extension. Sylvia begins to beg on her knees, but Christine sticks to her decision. The woman begins to cause a scene, and Christine calls security, causing the woman to feel shame. As she's being taken out of the bank, she lunges at Christine, but is apprehended and taken away. Christine's boss says that she made the right decision. Wow. Did she? A lot of action. Did did she make the right decision? I mean, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) Since this movie's called Drag Me to Hell. Anyway. Right, uh, right. (laughs) (laughs) So right off the bat, my first observation is that I love this sort of inclusion of, I I guess it's not necessarily like brujeria or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I like that there's a little representation of uh, a little like Hispanic supernatural talent i love that yeah i mean it's very relevant and i think just like you know hispanic superstitions and religions and things like that i mean it's a big part like i i know a lot about brujeria and fucking santeria and all this stuff (laughs) like i know a lot of people have been i know a lot of people have been cursed and dragged (laughs) to hell and um exercised you know (laughs) but there are a lot of hispanics that look to healers and things like that so this is very like realistic in that sense Right, exactly. And I love that she lives in Pasadena. Yeah. That's in a random. castle, yeah. In <laughs> Pasadena. <laughs> yeah. The Pasadena castle, you don't know that? <laughs> I do want to say, though, at the, even before the movie begins, we do get a sense of like what this movie is going to be about based on the Universal title card that they used. Because yes. our movie begins in 1969, so they used the Universal logo that they were using in 1969. But it also is kind of a, a reference to, again, Sam Raimi's Return to Horror, because when he was making the films, the Evil Dead films in the 80s, that was the logo. Right. So it's like, it's part of it's that like this is his style it's like sort of referencing those old evil dead films and how they started so it's sort of in the same universe it's my first right it's my first inkling that this has to exist in the same universe as the evil dead yeah totally it has to totally and uh, you know they don't they don't let anybody just use those throwback universal ones crumpus they wanted to use one from the one from the 80s and the universal said no if it doesn't take place in the 80s, you're not using it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Krampus, don't let us forget his name because I'm going to come back to him in a little oh, bit. Oh, shit. So, um, 
So good, good call bringing him up. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> so um, we have this moment where the where the medium. Mm-hmm. She watches this boy get dragged to hell. This all happens within a couple of minutes. So this movie is right away action. showing us what the danger is and how quickly this action can happen. They use a kid as an example, which I think is always uh, a, a good, a nice place to go for horror to warn the audience that anybody can go. Yeah, anybody can go. Kid, even kid, when kids aren't safe in movies, that's when you know shit's gonna go. Right, down. exactly. And that this movie has balls, you know. Mm. So I think that that is a good choice to have that little boy go Yeah, because movies don't really go I there. I wonder what he did. He stole the silver necklace from a gypsy caravan oh, that's or true. something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of gypsy, this is where I was like kind of trying to do research on how to appropriately, uh, I guess, approach okay. this. Because the term gypsy is now considered to be like an offensive term. And I was and I was trying to figure out like when we do this how is it going to be appropriate? Okay. But I guess there are like certain contexts in which the gypsy thing is it's like okay to use. I guess in this context it's okay to use it. But is overall, that because that it, it, is it's like, what they are? Like because they are actu- actually gypsies or is that just like a Because I remember they had that show about like gypsy life and things like that right i guess they they just think that the term gypsy comes with too many negative connotations and stereotypes that they're like that they're thieves like people like the term gypped oh comes from the word gypsy yeah like isn't that crazy and like you never even you never even think of something like that but it's like a shortened version of the word jip mean like i didn't like i was like shorted my my money or my whatever. okay yeah you know so, yeah gypsy so, okay so now you know the what used to be called gypsies you know back in the day or whatever now they like to be referred to as like the romani people or traveling people uh-huh. uh, like travelers but i guess it's still okay to use gypsy if it's like referring to somebody who's like has like an unstable life or is like all constantly traveling or on the go. It's like, okay. To use <laughs> yeah. it as like, I mean, I'm living a gypsy life. <laughs> like that lady. Gaga like, bitch, you're homeless. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I honestly, I don't think of, uh, of a negative connotation with it, but I guess I, I, I mean, of course that, of course I didn't even think about that, but, uh, I think of, um, Esmeralda from Notre Dame, but is she a thief? Yes, she's oh. a thief and she's a witch. Oh, shit. Well, no, no, no. She's a, she's not. I mean, I don't know if she's a she. They try to burn her at the stake for being a witch. Oh, because cause... but she's just a, she just uses tricks. She's not actually a witch. She uses. Oh, like she's tricks, like a magician. Yes, she's like she's like a magician. She is a temptress. She that bitch is pole dancing and yeah, she's like a thief. She's okay. So that's like the stereotype. Like God, I right, don't remember exactly. that part of the movie. And so. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it has a weird is a, a very interesting I don't know story I guess because people don't think of gypsy as like right off the head off the top of their head being like an offensive term but yeah. I guess the pe- the people who are constantly called that are like we're no, done no, no, we with don't want to be called that anymore we're done we're done with that so um, I just want to kind of I just want to address that before we continue on is that we're like we're like acknowledging that yeah. Um, 
you know, maybe somebody could possibly be offended, but we're just sort of kind of going off with the movie. Yeah, you know, I I am sort of glad too that this movie opens with sort of that being mentioned, so that we kind of understand who Sylvia Ganoush is when she shows up later. But also, um, I I do like the setup of the beginning being over the top theatrics because it lets us know what the rest of the action the movie is going to be like. Because if they worked up to it, it would look. It would be even more ridiculous than it already is. But to start off right away, like, bang. Right. It's like, okay, I get what this is. Yeah, you, you know what you're getting. And, and it kind of brings you back into that Evil Dead world. It's like, okay, that's right. This is what the style is. It's very over-the-top. It's cartoonish, very absurd. Almost. It's very cartoonish, absurdist. It's um, just over-the-top. Yeah, and so we get that right away. And we get it. It does sort of, like, keep unraveling but at least the beginning is like in your face enough to be like wow this is intense and dramatic already. i think it's a strong opening um, now i know. i i i wish oh, yeah. it looked more practical a little bit than so cgi like sure when the ground cracks open it looks very cartoonish like page master or right. something i'm like Ooh. yeah but uh, i feel like 2009 was still in the midst of really relishing in cgi yeah. like cgi everything. everything like ghosts and movies were cgi mm-hmm. it was like cgi 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 yeah. and i think i think it does sort of detract a little bit from the movie it because does the previous works of Sam Raimi all had a lot of great use of practical effects. Yeah. And uh, there are still some really cool practical effects in this Mm -hmm. film. But um, yeah, I just think that this movie came out at a time where CGI was still overused. And I think that maybe we have now gone back a little bit on that now, I think, or at least the CGI is better. Yeah. But I think we are starting to see more films where practical effects are being being brought back because that's what people respond better to because cgi garbage it just doesn't doesn't, work yeah it doesn't always work it doesn't always work it doesn't always translate and it doesn't give you that same emotional reaction to it because you're like this looks like that playstation game i was playing earlier (laughs) yeah this looks like (laughs) grand theft auto (laughs) yeah (laughs) so no and so i agree i think that it's a really strong opening and it gives us exactly what we what sorry it gives us exactly what we are to expect for the rest of the film yeah so what do you think about christine brown by allison lohman I think that she is so sugary sweet. This character is such an interesting heroine for us to follow. Yeah. Especially because she is so sweet and she's so bright. Like, she just has, like, a bright energy about her. Um, I think it's interesting for her to be our lead because of what happened, how this movie challenges her. Yeah, and how she transitions. I mean, she gets put... yeah, and how she gets put through the motherfucking ringer in this movie. Yes, she's beat the fuck up. Well, yeah, we're watching this girl who's so sweet, and you can tell that she's mild-mannered and everything, and when you just see her just go through a crazy amount of shit in this movie. Yeah. And I think that that... Uh, st- I So I do kind of like it. It's, it's, it's feels like an interesting choice. It is. Doesn't yeah. it? Because she seems really young. And- yeah. And, and Sam Raimi says that, you know, it's her her aspiration to be the assistant manager that really gets her into trouble like her sort of like a like a committing the sin of greed you know like almost like putting this woman because it is her decision she could have given her the extension but yeah i mean mean, god 
I think that this movie does a good job on making a comment on the misogyny in the workplace yes. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because because her character she just wants a promotion. I mean, who, you know, the, the character of Stu also wants a promotion and and you see how she is held to a different standard. She ha- because she know, has more she's compassion in the workplace because she's a woman. <clears throat> she has compassion. She's sweet. She sees a woman who is, you know, struggling, and she immediately wants to help her and help extend the loan. But she has to make it a decision that goes against her probably her own morals. Yeah, in order to be respected in her workplace and achieve the things that she wants to achieve, and so. It kind of sucks that, <laughs> that this happens. <laughs> that it comes down that this happens because it's like she's just trying to, she's trying to prove herself to, to these people who disrespect her. Yeah, and in the end, it comes back and bites her in the ass, and it's like ah, oh, that that sucks because she's just trying to, she and you know, and and it's and as much as I feel bad for Sylvia and the you know Mrs. Ganoush in this situation because she's sort of the victim to this mm-hmm. you know whatever's going on at the at the office but i saw her stealing that candy Honestly, she's no oh, angel you're right <laughs> you're right you're right you're right um but I don't know. I just feel. I, I honestly think it goes back to her boss. I think yeah. he's the one to fucking blame. Yeah, he's this. a fucking asshole. He uh, he set her up for that. I I I do yeah. want to say that Allison Lohman bringing Christine Brown to life. I think she does a great job. Um, her acting isn't over the top, and again, she didn't really know that this was like a comedy that it had comedic elements. So we get this right. honest performance where she didn't ham it up. Yeah, it's, it's really been honest. a theme lately with the movies that we've been doing, where they she gives an honest right. portrayal. And I thought watching it, I was like, she gives this sort of like soft, like vintage style performance. And then I read that she actually watched old classic horror movies to gather herself together for the character and I'm like wow she totally did a great job because I was thinking like this is like Janet Leigh and Psycho or one of those like soft heroines from the movies yeah from the classic movies yeah it does feel very soft and it feels very vintage I I will agree with that yeah that's a good it's a good observation about her character that I didn't really think about but yeah it's like her I can definitely see her her line delivery where she's like I got you this at work today. You know, it's like very like soft and eloquent. And yeah, cute. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I do think that like the soft thing really sets us up for how shocking everything that happens to her. Yeah, is. especially once she like flips you know. her attitude right after this. I'm like, wow, <laughs> we've right. come a long way in the past <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> totally, totally. So then we have Justin Long as Clay. Her her boyfriend right Mm -hmm. and uh, what i thought was interesting was that he is supposed to be like the quote-unquote female love interest archetype in this film yeah so they like try to switch it up secondary character he's the secondary character he i mean he said that he played this movie as if it was a romance film and that his concern for her is genuine and you know, he wasn't also, he also wasn't like playing, playing it up. He was playing it like an honest romance film. Yeah. Because that's what his character is. He's not, he's not really involved in all the crazy. Yeah. He's the love interest. Know, he's there to provide support stuff. and, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he is a very good performance. You know, like I said, he's a secondary character. So, you know, he's sort of the skeptic at first and then, um, 
unfortunately watches her get pulled in hell in the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, but I think he gives a good performance. And we find out through his mother, that asshole. <laughs> bitch, she is a straight up see you next Tuesday. Girl, she's bitch. mean. She, <laughs> she, uh, yeah. we find out that Christina's a small town, uh, not even a small town. She's a farm girl. And which which yeah. only furthers the layering of the character of Christine, where she's like, okay, she's a farm girl and she's trying to make it in L.A. So this is starting to make more sense, like her actions and her drive. Right. Of course. And I think that that really plays into one of the central themes of this film, which I think is shame. It's like sh- being shamed for who you oh. are. Because... Because while that happens to, to Mrs. Ganish, who gets, you know, her whole thing is like, you shamed me when she, you know, gets embarrassed for having, by begging on her knees in front of these people and still denied help. I think that there's there's a lot of shame that goes along with Christine's character because yeah. she's constantly being made to feel ashamed for her upbringing, her past, her, you know, she's never good enough for Clay, for Clay's family. You know, her upbringing of being a farm girl is constantly being brought up. The fact that she used to be overweight is brought up several times. Oh, yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing to introduce. Even just right from the beginning when she's looking at the bakery, she's like, mm. Oh, my. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there, there's something about shame, like the theme of shame that runs with Christine as well as the character of Sylvia. Mm. And so it's sort of like a parallel path for both of them. Just one is a little more internal while the other one is a little more external. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which gets us to Sylvia Ganish. Oh my gosh. Who is... Scary witch. Our villain of this movie. Which, you know, which is kind of weird to say that she's a villain since she's sort of a victim at first. But I mean, how she reacts to this situation is a little over the top. And, you know, villainous. Right. Like, girl, no one shamed you. You're on the ground begging for your life, for begging for your <laughs> uh, She does play villainous right. because I feel like when she first comes in, she almost, like, tries to intimidate Christine and then manipulate her. And then even, like... Yeah, she's a little bit The shots of Sylvia, like, stealing the candy off Christine's desk and just acting like nothing while she goes and talks to her boss. I'm kind of like, I don't believe Sylvia needs an extension. I think she's just like, maybe she does, but she's being manipulative about it. And I wouldn't want to help her. Yeah, she's like, I know. know. (laughs) Also, like, if I had the ability to like, curse people, (laughs) like, bitch, I probably would be doing it left and right too. Maybe. Maybe. The slightest inconvenience. Right. I'm all cursed. Yeah. You cut me off? Curse. No mask on in the supermarket? Cursed. Why are my fries cold? Curse. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I can't blame her. I probably would be cursing people left and right, too. But, I mean, I don't know. It's how she responds to this situation is is so dramatic and I don't know if it's I it, it brings up this question is how much of this that happens to Christine is actually justified or deserved none of uh, it I mean she was denied uh, an extension of her loan I don't think that equates to somebody being dragged to hell by their ankles for eternity <laughs> yeah yeah for eternity yeah um so sad I got five on it tarot (laughs) oh my god oh by the way we're doing this new thing where we ask people what their opinions are about the movie we're doing that week and try to include them throughout our episode 
So I got five on a tarot. Um, she says that all Christine had to do was help the old lady. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's all she had to do. But I mean, she's trying to also advance, get ahead, yeah. advance in the workplace with a misogynistic set of co-workers this asshole stew over here who's brand new yeah who she she has to help him she's over here having to teach him things about the job and yet he is still being considered for this position that she is qualified for right and she's having to teach him things in order to be qualified for that job but because she's a woman and they you know they ask her to go get her sandwiches or go get them sandwiches and shit like I don't know. It's like, what would you I, do? I, I feel for what Christine. would you do if you were Christine in this situation? This is real life. What would you do? Pretend Sylvia is not a scary witch. She's an old lady. It's hard for me to say because I'm not a, a woman in a in a workspace like that. I know, but if it was just if gender aside, put myself in her position. I mean, I. I mean, I guess I probably would have waited until the next tough decision. Yeah. Maybe one that wasn't going to put an old lady on the street. Exactly. I would too. I I would have given her the extension because she looks scary. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. But she's like, she had options. That's the thing. We forget that Christine's like, you can stay here. You can go to an assisted living home. And she's like, I'm a proud woman. But it's like, okay, well. You need to pay your bills on time then, Ms. Ganoush. Pride isn't going to pay your bills, baby. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, but you want to come into my workspace begging on your knees for an extension? (laughs) Bitch, you proud now? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's like pride can only get you so far. I understand you're a proud woman, but you got to pay your bills. And if you can't pay your bills, then maybe you're going to have to, you know, burden your children with your presence or whatever. It seems like they live with her, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough decision because I do think she's being manipulative, but it's an old ass lady. Like, I mean, I would have given her the extension, especially after I saw them claws. I'd be like. Uh, yeah, I don't, and I would probably think in no. my head, I don't want to be cursed. I'm giving her the extension. <laughs> oh my god! Spell on me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is also where we start to um, get that signature Sam Raimi uh, gross out sort yeah. of uh, style. Okay. And um, so we, ca- we just her sitting there. Christine is like looking at her from across the room, and Sylvia's over here hacking up a lung in her handkerchief she's over here taking out her teeth yeah and putting them on the fucking desk she's ridiculous and it's like and that is just very sam raimi he loves to go for the for the shock yeah you're like oh oh you're like oh my god this is disgusting but i mean it works it's effective i'd be like ma'am you need to get your teeth off of my desk (laughs) (laughs) he he likes to ignite the your senses yes he likes to make you like recoil yeah repulsive yeah yeah it's almost like an interactive experience watching a sam raimi film yeah because he puts you in that position of like sitting across from this woman and seeing that yeah uh yeah totally what i think i what i think i don't like about this little section with sylvia is the lunging when she's being escorted out by security. Oh, yeah. And then she lunges after That's her. Scary, At first, it's scary. Like, a jump scare, like, bah! Like, you know, ah. But I think it's like, I don't think it works for me because 
it's like she reaches over to her and she's like lunging constantly and you get a uncomfortable amount of seconds of her lunging after Christine as Christine backs up uncomfortably and it's like this very stiff blocking and the only thing that's keeping the tension going is the music but I'm like if I were there in the bank without Mm. the music this would look stupid uh, that's true. I mean, yeah, maybe it's a uh, maybe it was just like poorly choreographed. Uh, but I don't know. It's effective I, to me. I think it's always like shocking. It's like, oh yeah. god, this woman is is she lashes out. Yeah, and it's sort of our first taste of what's about. And to I come. think that would be scary. I th- but I do have uh, a problem with some of the scenes in this thing that are supposed to be scary, where I think it's a little hindered by the blocking of the scene. Like the action, mm-hmm. like uh, interesting, it'll come along too, like in future scenes, right? Well, let's get moving on to the very next scene. And but before we do, I gotta sh- give a shout out to Hey Octavia Spencer in the background. Why is she in this? This is the time <laughs> when she had like small parts, though. Oscar winning actress Octavia Spencer doing some extra work on Drag Me to Hell. I know it's funny because somebody said there's a cameo by Octavia Spencer. I'm like, that's not a cameo, girl. She that's she wasn't cameo. getting booked back then. Like she, this was the same year that Halloween no. Two came out, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween Two, where she was the nurse slashed yeah. in the mouth. The nurse. Uh, yeah, with no lines, just a scream. So this was Octavia's gig back then. It just shows that it's never too late to go out there and kill the fucking game. Right. Okay? Uh, she, she is slaying she's an actress. She, yes, she is. And she just has that, I just saw that new trailer for that Thunder Force. Uh, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Yes, the Melissa McCarthy superhero movie that she Looks in. pretty funny. So that looks like a fun time. And yeah, she looks great you know. in it. Octavia looks fucking fantastic yeah. in that Thunder Force. I love both of them. Yeah. Feeling the love from her manager who sings the praises of her work, Christine happily makes her way to her car in the parking garage. As she gets to her car, she notices Sylvia Ganish's car is parked fairly close by. After being startled by a floating handkerchief, Christine finds Sylvia in the back seat who claims that Christine has shamed her. They begin an all-out brawl in the car where Christine staples her in the eye and crashes her car continuously to fight off the old woman. After stabbing her in the mouth with a ruler and kicking her out of the car, a demonic Sylvia drags Christine by her legs, pulls off a button from Christine's coat, and curses the button and returns it. Sylvia says that soon it will be Christine who comes begging to her. As Christine walks with Clay, she contemplates whether she actually should have given her the extension. They pass by a psychic and Christine is compelled to get her fortune read. They meet Ram Joss, played by Dilip Rao, a seer who spars with Clay, who is a non-believer in New Age spirituality. As he reads her fortune, Rom immediately knows about the button cursed by Sylvia and has visions of a demon, confirming that a dark spirit has attached itself to Christine through a curse. At home, Christine begins to be tormented by an unseen spirit, scaring her and causing her to be paranoid. The spirit comes in the form of a menacing wind that causes her pots and pans to crash, She even sees a spirit in shadows which attack her. As Clay helps console her, he doesn't believe her claims that the assailant wasn't able to be seen. She agrees that it's post-traumatic stress and they decide to take a trip together that weekend. As they sleep, a fly comes through the window, landing on a sleeping Christine and entering her nose and her mouth. Christine startles awake, lays back down to find a decayed Sylvia in her bed who vomits maggots all over her face. Christine awakes again, as if it were just a nightmare. Oh, bitch. Ooh, bitch. A lot of stuff so, happening here. 
lot of stuff. So first thing I want to call out is Sylvia Ganish has the same exact car as Ash from Evil Dead. Yes. It's that signature Sam Raimi 1988 Delta. That yellow. And I love that. Yeah. Yes. I love that callback. And it appears in every single, almost every single one of those films, like his horror films. It even shows up in fucking Evil Dead, the remake. Yeah. 2013. Yep. So that car is iconic. It's a staple of Sam Raimi horror. And I'm glad. And again, does this take place in the same universe? I don't know. Maybe Sylvia Ganesh not only steals candy, she steals cars. <laughs> <laughs> she can't afford her own. Shit. Yeah, shit, bitch. And then we uh, have this. <laughs> this is, I like this bit of the, of the weird evil handkerchief. I just wish the CGI were just slightly better for it. Right. It, it just looks ugh, just like slightly too cheap. It does. Um, and But I, I mean, how do you portray... Uh, I mean, maybe now in, 2000, in 2021 CGI, it would look good. But well, I guess yeah. in 2009, the, we, weren't, we weren't there yet. This gag was done in, also in The Conjuring with the sheets. That's how Bathsheba sort of travels oh, yeah. around. She has the same... Right. She's, she's almost like Bathsheba. Maybe she's a descendant. Um, Maybe they're sisters. They're sisters. Do you think they hang out? <laughs> yeah. Hey, bitch. <laughs> like, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Let's go cursing tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are we going to hex today? She's like, I got a new tube top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go out. <laughs> yeah. the town and curse somebody. <laughs> yeah. It was done a little better. Bathsheba does it a little bit better. Um, I do have yeah, to... Yeah, been a few more years. I do have to say that this whole parking garage... <laughs> debacle the the whole brawl um is probably one of the most iconic moments of this movie i think it's the one that a lot of people reference that boy isaac is our yeah. homeboy isaac said yeah. that it, this beginning of this movie scared the living shit out of him that about this creepy old lady getting at her like that this scene in the car might be one of my favorite scenes of a movie of all time really i think it is so good it is so it's like oh it is everything because it it, it's not only absurd it's it's action-packed it's funny it's gross it's like shocking and no matter what like no matter who you're watching this scene with i i tend to watch the the people watching this scene because Uh the reaction is always like oh my god what is is happening insane what this late this you know seeing an elderly woman and this young girl have a full out fight in this car that is so just over the top oh my god it's so i think it's so brilliant wow i can't help but i can't help but love it i think it's so good i think it, everything from like just the sounds of the hits are so over dramatic and yeah. the the staples the, the car <laughs> Yeah, the staples in the eye, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, and Sylvia's progression into looking like a fucking scary demon, just you know, with every, yeah, every almost new, you know, take. every new camera take on <laughs> yeah. her. Yeah, she's just like a little scarier looking, and she's getting. And that bitch can put up a fight. She she takes her, she gets an ass whooping. Mm-hmm. Christine fucking whoops her ass, and uh, but she still has a lot of fight in her. But yeah, I don't know. I love I love the staple in the eye. I love the cr- the car crashing and. <laughs> <laughs> when she flies from the back seat into the front seat and hits the dashboard and her teeth fly out. Oh, bitch. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so good. That is so funny. And it's just brilliant. 
Ah. It's, it's, it's pretty much... You, I, you have to equate it to, like, the fight scene in Evil Dead between Ash and his severed hand. It's like that yeah. kind of absurdity. The absurdity of it all. Yeah, because the staples and the ruler and the uh, the oh, teeth. the ruler and the right mouth. It's very yeah. absurd. Um, but, and I know that when I first watched this, I was like, oh my god, this is just so fun and over the top and, like, ex- extreme yeah. entertainment. And the absurdity makes it jarring, you know? But <laughs> yeah. uh, this time around, watching it with for the podcast, and you have to play devil's advocate a little bit because this is one of the scenes that I had trouble with the blocking. Because some of the scenes were like, like the ruler going into the mouth. I was like, uh, it's almost like one of those like play moments where you're like about to stab somebody, but because you want to be gentle, you kind of like go a little slower. <laughs> oh, I was like, so sure. I just had okay. problem with like the timing of some of the action. It's a very small technical thing, but I was kind of like, uh, this could have been more fluid or like just a little more like boom, 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 instead of like boom, 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 boom. I don't know. It just makes me, it just looks so stylized. Like, it's I, I very like stylized, but it just has a weird it, rhythm. It's specific. Okay. Sure. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's fair. I don't know. But it, it for me, it works. It's fun. I don't know. It I is love fun. it. I think. I think it's so fun in that moment where she's like, this is where we start. Um, this, uh, this whole, like this begins this running gag throughout the film of things always ending up in Christine's mouth. Yes. Always, like, always. And, and it's gross every time it happens. Like poor Christine. Like I'm telling you, like, the ew. shit that they put poor Allison Loman through is like crazy. But this time we get like, Sylvia full on eating her face like she like with no teeth on, with no teeth just is gumming and eating her chin and it's just like oh uh, my god I think I've that's the moment like of that scene that gets me the most where I'm like ew <laughs> she's like gnawing at her chin it's <laughs> <laughs> horrible it's so good can like, you imagine oh how that god. feels oh probably so good you <laughs> <laughs> nasty bitch oh my god it's like a it's like a massage on your face gum love gum love. <laughs> ew this is horrible but i <laughs> i think that's the the part for me the where i get where it gets the most rise out of me where i'm like ah, it makes my teeth hurt <laughs> yeah and and it's sort of those moments that when going back to this movie theater thing this like collective experience that you have with other people in a movie theater like i remember seeing this in theaters and the reaction to this scene was everybody was involved everybody was grossed out everybody was screaming everyone's like like gasping and that is that is what makes a movie like this work for me it's yeah, it's it's pure entertainment. It's what it's why Sam Raimi's movies have been so successful because it's thrill it for the audience. A, it, yeah, it's a thrill, and it, it it gets a reaction out of you. Yeah, it's all it's shocking, and not in like a disturbing way, but in like a hilarious way. Like yeah, it, like, this is a fun audience movie for sure. Like yes, watching this totally. in a crowd. Probably the best thing ever. Probably the best way to watch oh, this yeah. film. 
is in a crowd. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I don't know. I love this car scene. It's one of my favorites ever. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fun. Um, So, we get to the psychic. What do you think about the psychic? Ram Joss. Ram Joss? Uh, you know, he's... I don't know. What do it's you hard to trust him, right? It's hard to trust him because yeah. he's obviously capitalizing on his abilities. But right, exactly. Then we get to see that he's no joke. Like he he can't. He has abilities. Yeah, no, he's he is legit. And but I could see why somebody like Clay would be skeptical, yeah. especially because he's charging out the fucking ass for for this reading. Yeah, he's, he's like it's like shiesty stuff. Like he's not, and right off the I mean, bat guess, too, like not even giving the reading first yeah. and being like, okay, that'll be you know sixty bucks. It's like no, right away. Yeah, I know. I need sixty dollars. Have you ever been to like a psychic like that? No, because I am one. No, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have never been. I got five on a tarot. Gave me a a medium reading. A me- she was she's working on her mediumship. She gave me a reading before. I'm talking about these like. The shiesty ones, that, yeah, the ones that are set up. Oh. I don't. I've been to the ones no. at like a fair. I think I had a, my, I think I had a, my You're palm read at a fair one. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never was, been to one. Do you think that's real? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know that there are certain things that they say are embedded into your hand, and some people really believe it. But um, the there's a in Napa they have this one in downtown where it's like this like storefront psychic and she's been there for a long time and I'm like she's yeah, clearly making I see, money I see them all over yeah they have to like people have to be going to these places or else they wouldn't stay open right yeah they would stay but there's like psychic signs everywhere like in Napa like so yeah. call psychic John I'm like what and why has this billboard been up forever I wish I wouldn't have to like pay a lot of money to do it I'm so curious I know I just want to know I want to know what the experience is like and what they see for me. Do you think they can see your death? Oh my god. I don't know. I hope not. Actually, I hope so. I, would you want to know how you're going to die? Um, Not if it was like soon. <laughs> I would rather be like, you're going to die when you're 80. I'm like, okay, that's reasonable. But I wouldn't want to know like that I have a stroke and die or something. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Storefront psychics are so interesting. I've always been so fascinated by this idea of walking by a place that's like psychic. Do you want to tell? Yeah, in. blinking open twenty four seven. There, there, there's a story. Akira Sedgwick. Um, she was an Andy Warhol girl. She, yeah, yeah. she got her palm read by a, who said that she was going to die around her thirties because her lifeline ended at the beginning of her thumb, and she died when she was like. Do you in mean her 30s. Edie? You meant Edie Sedgwick? Oh yeah, Kira Cedric is her niece. <laughs> Kira Cedric is married to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> no, that's her niece. No, Edie Sedgwick. Yes. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yes. That's wow. Who knew? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's. I, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. We can't talk about that anymore. But <laughs> I know. A little hard. So one of the things I'm always like curious about is like, how did the police not get involved in this situation after Christine gets attacked by this woman, crashes her car? And I know. Then they're just sort of we, casually like. We sort of see her giving like a police report, it. but like anything else? Yeah. Like, is she going to no. get a, <laughs> a restraining order? Or I know the police are never involved in this film anymore, which is funny to me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, just Rom Jaws. And the medium from the beginning of the movie, but no one else interferes with this situation. Yeah, that, that's all we. Yeah, that's all we need. And a doctor. I think there's a doctor at some point. <laughs> oh right, right, right. I think so. Then we get into this like 
these like tormenting scenes of of Christine where she's being thrown around her house and she's being fucked with by this by this spirit. It's very evil so, dead too. Very evil dead too. Very rude. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean destroying her house so loud, crashing her pots and pans together. Yeah, what an annoying ghost. I do have to say that the most effective part of this scene for me is when she sort of sees the shadow and she's sort of following it on the wall and then it stops and it's facing her and it lunges at her and she's pushed back. I love that moment. Oh, that's such a good moment. I think that's really scary being attacked by something you can't see. Yeah, and especially something that looks like a demonic goat. I know. That's That's so, like, specifically satanic satanic yeah it's like baphomet or crumpus yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um so then we have this like i think one of the biggest scares in this movie is that one where she after that fly lands on her mouth or lands on her face and goes under her nose and her mouth and then she she like sits up and she like gasps and then she lays back down and fucking sylvia's right next to her yes jump scare except for it was in every single trailer the market yeah every tv spot all of it so we knew it was coming but it still gets me it still gets me every time though i watch it i'm like oh every time yeah it's it's pretty frightening yeah it's very like (gasps) the jump scares in this i would say are well done i don't think they're ever cheap no and they do like one of my things i always bring up about jump scares is that they have to do with the evil they're it's not you know oh kitty cat came around the corner and scared me it's like these jump scares have to do with the spirit that is you know tormenting her so i do appreciate that more yeah is that weird is that weird that i feel like that <laughs> I, that i feel like that makes a jump scare worth it if it has to do with the movie no yeah. right no no that that's why it works that's why it works yeah it's not like somebody her co-worker popping up around the corner like hey christine right. oh ah, ah. oh god no it's, it's sorry it's directly just, yeah. involved with the attack on christine yeah no that, right, exactly. it works and that may, that's that's when it pays off to me so that, i i do like those and then she again here we have another moment where the mouth christine gets vomited on into her mouth and um i read that that vomit was pasta yeah (laughs) i read that too what kind of thing what do you think it was bolognese (laughs) (laughs) some bolognese (laughs) some penne just cutting ass (laughs) some macaroni hamburger helper the The bow tie hamburger helper A little bit, a little, a little bit, like a like a macaroni noodle and um yes beef stroganoff. (laughs) Oh my god, that's that's probably what it is. I bet it's beef stroganoff, and they just just chewed it and then barfed in her face. So our Instagram designer friend Marvin Hidalgo says that old lady puke scene is too much. (laughs) But which one? She pukes like I think it's this one. I think it's this one. This one's a lot. This one's a specific puke in her it's face. It's not just bile or fluid. This one's right. like... No, this one's like maggots. Meaty maggots. Yeah. Oh my God. Poor Allison Lohman. I'm telling you, she was she was tortured on the set of this film. She was. And so she actually said that during filming, she would take tequila shots every night to go to bed. Which is... I'm like, I, yes, I was, bitch! I, I, That's my girl. I was reading that and I was kind of like... 
wait. She was like, she was so exhausted. Maybe she couldn't sleep. Is it like one of those things? One of those I'm so things. Tired, I can't sleep. Or maybe she was like, God, yeah. that was really tough today. Like, I want to sleep, but like, I just keep thinking about it. I'm just going to take some tequila shots. It was either an admission of being an alcoholic or. <laughs> oh my God. That's such a 2009 solution. In 2021, she'd be like, I smoked a fucking blunt and then went to bed. <laughs> I always drink tequila to go to bed. Oh, but then you feel like shit the next day. I don't. I don't. I've mastered it. <laughs> oh God. Uh, <laughs> applaud for you. <laughs> cue the audience. Yes. Applause, please. Yes. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> At work the next day, Christine has visions of Stu as Sylvia and has an uncontrollable bloody nose that sprays all over her boss and her desk. <laughs> Oh, bitch. Everywhere. Just coats them. (laughs) Christine flees work and decides to confront Sylvia at her home. When she arrives, she is greeted by her granddaughter, to whom she tries to explain herself. After the woman claims she knows Christine used to be overweight, fat girl, I think she calls her. Oh, yeah, I know. To be a fat girl. She lets her in. (laughs) You're the fat girl before. Hey, fat girl, come here. Are you ticklish? Yeah, I called you fat. Look at me, I'm skinny. (laughs) That's from the Humpty Dance. (laughs) It is? (laughs) Yeah. What part is that? He's like, hey, fat girl, come here. Are you ticklish? Yeah, I called you fat. Look at me, I'm skinny. (laughs) Oh, you're right. When you say it like that, I hear it. I love that lyric. It's always my favorite. Yeah. I love the Humpty Dance. (laughs) It's such a good song. Oh my God. (laughs) So she lets Christine in the house, which seems to be host to a funeral. It is the funeral of Sylvia Ganoush, and Christine accidentally stumbles over her open casket and wrestles with the dead corpse. I also love this scene. It's so good. Oh my god. Back at Roms, Christine learns that the spirit is Lamia, a curse only used for the darkest of deeds. It first appears as a tormenting spirit for three days, and on the fourth day reveals itself to be a taker of souls. Rom tells Christine that she needs to sacrifice an animal to get rid of the curse, but refuses on moral grounds. When the spirit returns to her house at night to continue tormenting her and appearing as a silhouette of a goat, the Lamia lifts her in the air and throws her around the room. Christine grabs a kitchen knife and begins to search for her cute little kitty to sacrifice. Oh, this scene that also got a huge reaction from the movie theater that I was in. I oh, I, it was a collective. Oh my god, no! Oh, I know it's sad. And laughter. People were like uh, laughing hysterically at yeah, it. Yeah, com- it's a comedic moment. <laughs> yeah. So here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> Christine buries the cat in the backyard and is met by Clay, who picks her up to go to a dinner with his parents. Feeling like she's rid herself of the evil, they arrive at Clay's parents' house. Christine fails to impress his parents with her farm background, but tries to use the promotion to help her case. However, his mother interrogates her about her personal life and is actually impressed by her candor about her mother's alcoholism. Just then, the torment begins again with visions of her harvest cake having an eyeball, loud high-pitched noises, and Christine coughing up a fly. (laughs) Oh my god. When she reaches her limit, Christine screams for the Lamia to leave her alone. Wow. Christine, she can't catch a fucking break. She can't break. catch a fucking break. I feel so bad for her. I know. I do. Okay, let's start from the top. This fucking nosebleed bitch. 
<laughs> I don't oh, know. Spraying. Just spraying. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. Well, the thing... You know what I noticed first about this blood, bloody nose scene? Is that this is probably the only moment in the film where there is blood this is not a bloody film by any no means. not at all there's been a couple and drops of the cat later but yeah <laughs> exactly but um i kind of think that's a cool testament to how that's not necessary to make a good horror film right like you don't need like a crazy amount of blood for it to be scary and this movie was pg-13 yeah and sam Ra- sam raimi specifically wanted to make a pg-13 horror film and i think that they you know there was a you know a lot of pg-13 ghost horror films coming out then but he he made this specifically pg-13 because he remembers again going to the movies when he was you know a teenager and how much he loved seeing scary movies in the theater and so he wanted to make a movie that everyone could enjoy yeah yeah everyone could enjoy and teens could see so that's on purpose but as far as the blood goes because if they use any more blood this would have been an r rating okay so this is like the only real moment we get where there's like an immense amount of blood and And it's coming from her nose and they really let us have it with the blood (laughs) there's a lot of blood uh almost like all in one moment she should be dead but um I, th- this is one of those moments where I have trouble with the blocking because I just feel like there's just a long ass shot of her holding one of her nostrils and it's spraying out onto her boss. And uh, and it's, you know, it's cartoonish, but it's too slow to work. They, they hold on her too long for it to be effective. I'm kind of like, okay, this is a gag. Like, I, I you can almost, you have enough time to see where it's spraying out of and it's not her nose. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like that. It's too... I don't know. It's too... I, I don't know. It's too hokey. No, I see what you're saying. And it's... And I kind of, like, wonder about the style of Sam Raimi. It's like, is it something that we are supposed to get or something that we're not supposed to get but still enjoy? But see... You know what I'm I, saying? I do... Yeah, I do see what you're saying. But honestly, I'm like, if they would have cut that take just by two seconds it would have been it I, that question wouldn't be proposed you know what i mean yeah like it would yeah, have just but, been a fluid cool moment but what if but it's just like what if that's what he wanted he wants it to look like that i feel like there's something about him wanting these moments to look like this to look that like, he wants it to be absurdist he wants it to be over the top and ridiculous see, I, don't know. I think like, the blood is already absurd enough because of the amount of blood that there is it's just that weird little technical thing that I guess maybe he is doing on purpose but I don't get it I mean I don't, <laughs> is what right. I you know what I mean I mean yeah it, it I think it just yeah you have to buy into it, it and it's not gonna yeah. work for everybody you it doesn't work for me willing. yeah you just have to like be like this is his style and this is what I guess like I know because I think a lot of the movie does work for me but it's just these little things that I'm like this is kind of sloppy but I don't know again yeah I don't know if it's intentional or because it's like it's a movie you know but it's like I don't know I thought it could have been a little cooler to me yeah I I don't get the impression that it's like bad filmmaking I get more the impression that this is how he wants it to look and like like I said before I don't think it's gonna work for everybody so I I think that it probably I think it works you're, you're on the, more on the spectrum where it, it doesn't work I think it yeah. works really well in the Evil Dead franchise I don't think it works this time like in 2009 hmm. you know what I mean oh, sure I think it could have gone more Evil Dead 2013 but because that only came out a few years later 
Yeah, I mean, but they're complete. But Evil Dead 2013 doesn't work for a lot of people because it doesn't have that energy. It doesn't have this energy. Yeah, so it doesn't have this energy. Yeah. So, okay. Know, okay. It's, it's, but it's all subjective. It's all. It's all subjective. Like, it is. Of course, and it and if it doesn't work for you, it yeah, doesn't work for you. Because you're loving it, That's and like, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't like this part. But yeah, this is the perfect example of how audiences would perceive this either one of end course. or the other absolutely absolutely because yeah this movie is not typical no not <laughs> at all <laughs> <laughs> so the funeral scene bitch oh my god oh my god i love how when she first walks in it's like dark and it's kind of like you're like oh my god this is gonna be like a creepy house and then it's like a full-on party and you're like whoa uh, this woman grabs like her and sort of like guides her into this chaos yeah, yeah. It's sort of a really surreal experience. Like, it's like, whoa, that was, there's a whole party going on. How did I not hear any of the music? It's just kind of a cool moment. It is. To me. I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know what it is about that moment. It transitions well. It, yes, it just transitions so quickly into a full party. And you're like, whoa, all right, work. And it's like, she's in a different world almost. She's like transported to this other world. Gypsy, gypsy party. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's so cool. And then, and then to find out that Sylvia has passed away. And oh, oh shit! Yeah, she can't even make. She now can't even make up for what she's done. They show her picture. That, it <laughs> yeah. looks like she just may have took it the other day. <laughs> Maybe it was yeah. her mugshot from like- <laughs> K- attacking Christine. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like, this is the newest picture we have of Grandma Ganoush. So this is very scary movie three. <laughs> oh my god, I know when with Brenda. <laughs> that scene with Brenda. <laughs> yeah. I what I love about this is the fact that even in death, Sylvia Ganoush is still fucking fighting Christine. Yeah, she's still fucking <laughs> pulling her hair. I think that's the fa- my favorite gag both times that it happens. Her dead body grabbing Christine's hair. Yeah, she's always grabbing her hair. And it's so funny because it's a dead corpse. It's not actually moving, but it's somehow it is still fighting. It's so funny and like so bizarre and like, I don't know, original. Like I can't. <laughs> like, and then still manages to barf up vile. Sorry, bile, not vile. It is vile. Yeah, Yeah, it's vile bile. (laughs) Into Christine's mouth. Like, she cannot catch a break. She's constantly ingesting shit from. I think she'd be dead. Like, this is nasty. Like, this is. Yeah, that is like. It's a sort of bacteria, bitch. Yeah, what do you. What is it? uh, Formaldehyde or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ingesting all that. Yeah, she would definitely be sick. Why isn't her lip. Um, uh, Her lips don't shut. Yeah, I know. That's gross. I, open caskets are so weird. This one's really weird because she's not even in a fucking casket. She's like on a table. <laughs> yeah, she's like on a table and people are partying around her. I mean, I guess that's a, just not a culture that's mine. Right. But I feel like it's I've actually heard difference. about this where like people like da- like have parties around. Awake. Yeah. <sighs> but like a party. Yeah, like a party. Like they give offerings to the dead and, you know, yeah, they dance around it. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess. You've never been I to one? That's just not no. of my. Not like this. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's just like a vigil or like a. Right. Like a, it's like just the, like a, a quiet wake or something. Sure, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think I've been to one open casket funeral and. Oh. It was, of course, it was very subdued and like it would just like walked by and like, you know. Gave their final blessings right exactly this was like a full-on like doom to doom to doom party and her whole body's out it's not yeah like like we said it's like her whole she's exposed she basically died and they just threw her on the table like everybody come over she's dead 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, party. Maybe they all hated her too. Mm-hmm. The bile, do, I do would say the bile, it's effective, but it does seem like an afterthought because it's a little cartoony. Sure. Yeah, a little cartoony. I'm telling you, the CGI is just. Ugh. I know. It's what, it's, it's, it's what, for me, kind of knocks a point off of this film. Yes. It's just, the CGI, for sure. The CGI. Like, but I mean, how many things could they actually put down Allison Lohman's throat without her (laughs) you know quitting and walking off the set (laughs) yeah that's true okay so then we get to a scene that I think is the scariest for me which is when the Lamia um, we find out what what Lamia is is the demon that's coming after her um, which I actually think Lamia is a real yeah. thing, like, but it's not a demon. It's a part of like I think Greek mythology, which is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, the Lamia. Well, oh, it's it a woman. Like... It's a woman who attacks children. Yes, it's very similar to Krampus. Right, which is what I was going to bring up Krampus for oh, because okay. they're very similar in their approach. And if you think about the movie Krampus, it's like, oh yeah. This is very similar. People are being punished for whatever reason and then dragged into hell. It's right. very much the same concept. Yeah. I think that's really cool. And the fact that I never even put those two things together is like, oh, wow. They they don't ever, they don't really feel like copies of each other. But right. They are technically the same concept. I, I, I was like blown yeah. away by that. It's almost like, oh, like different yeah. different cultures and different religions using basically like the same iconography, but it's like different yes. things to different people. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally, totally. I can see that. Um, yeah, so yeah, that scene is that scene is very scary and like the goat, like just the goat Yeah, thing. just the it's silhouette like, is effective just... enough because we don't ever yeah. really get to see it in, in its entirety like we do in like Annabelle or something. It's just like a shadow or, you know, or they do kind of show the face in the window and it's very CGI, which again, a hindrance, but it's so fast. You yeah. don't, you don't really get to say, right. pick at it, but I do think right. it's very scary. And I think it's very scary when she gets picked up and thrown around the room and like Nightmare on Elm Street style. Like I love that. Yeah, totally. I think it's scary. I think, yeah, the, the scene is, yeah, it's very scary. And it's like, again, you're just like, how much can poor Christine go through before she snaps? And then we have this moment with the kitty mm. where she's like, she's like, or she's like, I got to get rid of the kitty. And she does. And thinking, and the fact that she thinks it works, poor Christine, everything. This is the first of many times where she thinks a that false she's ending. <laughs> yes. And this is not, that's not the case. And then, so then they go to this dinner, which I honestly think that this is the Lamia's cruelest moment. Like, cruelest is ruining this dinner with. She was successful. The mom was starting to like her. She was buying into Christine. She was like, I appreciate your honesty about your drunk ass mama. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I do think that this like stuff about um, the alcoholism and whatever, it it is very much Christine fighting her own demons. Her own shame. Her own shame. You were saying, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't even see that continuing theme of shame. But the fact that she finally isn't being shamed about something that she thought she was going to be shamed about. And then the Lamia comes in and just pulls the rug out from under her. And it, you know, ruins this dinner for her first. I know. One of my favorite moments is when she coughs up that fly. Oh. The mom goes, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Like, you can't help but laugh at that moment. Because she's like, ooh, ooh. 
<laughs> and then it just goes, like, oh my god. And then they look at their <laughs> cake like, Ugh. Yes. That has to be my reaction, too. If I saw somebody cough up a fly that was alive. Yeah. Yeah, so this dinner is ruined, and because uh, she freaks out and she screams, like, leave me alone at seemingly to them. To the wall. To the wall. Oh, I. <laughs> this I moment, because she looks batshit crazy. She looks or nuts, psychologically bitch. thrilling. And then it's like, wow, you know what? I actually like this girl. And then all of a sudden she's throwing a glass at the wall and coughing up flies. And then, Leave me alone! Oh <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> sweetie. No. You're done. Sweetie, no. You'll you, never be a part of this family. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's keep going. Returning to Rom's, Christine is angry the sacrifice did not work. Rom suggests for $10,000. My God. He take her to somebody... I know. $10,000, bitch. Wow. Scam artists, I swear. <laughs> Ain't nothing in this life free, including your soul, I guess. <laughs> For $10,000, he will take her to somebody who can help. Christine puts on lipstick and heads to her work to ask for an advance on the promotion, but her boss informs her that the promotion is going to stew. Oh. I know. It's fucked up. <laughs> As Christine gathers items at home to sell, she's attacked by the spirit of Sylvia who sticks her arm down Christine's throat. (laughs) Christine cuts an anvil and smashes the spirit, causing Sylvia's eyes to pop out and fly into Christine's mouth. Again. Unable to sell her jewelry for what she bought it for, she cries over a tub of ice cream. Clay comes over and tells her that he paid the money to Rom because he knows how important this is to Christine. He then drops her off at the house of the medium from the beginning of the film, Sean Sandina. My roommate goes, Sean Sandina Menzel. (laughs) (laughs) You're so tough. She has waited all these years for a chance to redeem herself and destroy the spirit of the Lamia. They begin to perform a seance-like ritual in hopes of transferring the spirit into the body of a goat and then slaughtering it. They chant to welcome the dead into their souls and the room becomes filled with ghosts. Shonda Sand... Ah, I want to call her Shonda Sandina. (laughs) Shonda Sandina. (laughs) Shonda Sandina. (laughs) Sean John. (laughs) Sean Sandina banishes them before announcing the arrival of the Lamia. Furniture begins to move and the doors rattle until Sean Sandina is possessed by the evil spirit who desires the soul of Christine. Christine manages to get the Lamia's hand on the goat, which transfers the evil spirit. However, the goat bites Milos, Sean Sandina's assistant, who becomes possessed, attacks Christine, and vomits up her dead cat. Sean Sandina comes to and banishes the Lamia, seemingly once and for all, and then passes away. Oh, okay. This is a problematic scene. (laughs) First of all, do you think Rom Jaws split that $10,000 with LaShawn (laughs) Jasenina? I don't know, maybe. Yo, $10,000. I mean, he was like, for $10,000, I'll take you to somebody. Excuse me? It sounds like that's her price. I don't know. Like, she's like, I charge $10,000, but doesn't she. Isn't her main motivation to seek redemption? Defeat that spirit. Defeat the spirit? From 1969. So who, why does she have yeah. $10,000 to do that? Is that how much the goat cost? Or like She doesn't. I think this is Rom Jaws's price. He's a fucking shiesty ass. He's a fucking bitch. shiesty, shady ass motherfucker. No. I don't care what he can see. <laughs> he, hey, and honestly, he hasn't contributed anything. All he does is keep giving Christine the wrong yeah, motherfucking wrong information. information. Shit that doesn't work. He takes her this, here. 
And then... Because this is where we learned that the sacrifice technically did work because the Lamia had it in its <laughs> yeah, mouth. <laughs> but at the same time... Then we learn later that it's the owner of the button, not uh, you can't just replace a soul. Yeah, I'm like you got you got it all Ron wrong, Joss, Ron Jaws. You, this is why, yeah, you're a scam artist. You're a fucking amateur. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have this like seance scene, which is I think to me this is like the first of many climaxes we have in this film. <laughs> Yeah, there are, this look, there's a lot this, of This them. looks like this is going to be the big end of the movie. The big finale, yeah. yeah. the big finale, because it's very, you know, operatic and dramatic, and, you know, ghosts are everywhere. Uh, the Lamia shows its face and, you know, possesses Milos, who, who I think him being possessed is the closest we come to seeing that this has to exist in the same universe as Evil Dead because he turns into the same trash talking as demons as the Evil Dead yes. movies. Bitch, the go, the go. Oh my god, <laughs> it looks it looks a lot like that. Um, the head in the cabin. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The what is it? A moose? Yeah, no. it, it is. A mo- <laughs> I think it is a moose. It's a de- is it a moose? I think it's a or moose. deer. Pro- it's a deer. Probably a deer. It's a deer. I'm gonna say a moose though. Just that sounds funnier. Yeah, the moose. <laughs> that moose. Yeah, no. It looks similar to that. Yeah, so this whole sequence just reminds me so much of like that Evil Dead thing. And so I I think these exist in the same universe. I'm going to go with that. Totally. Absolutely. I I think they do. I don't think that Sam Raimi's ever confirmed it, but he's never denied it either. Yeah. What do you think of the séance though? What do you what do you think about it? I think the seance is a pretty successful scene. I think the go is the one thing that I'm kind of like, okay, all of a sudden turns into a Disney cartoon. (laughs) Um, Somebody actually said in our comments, um, emo X Hobbit, emo times Hobbit. I don't know. Said it's such a bad movie. Uh, (laughs) Hater. Stupid. That's funny. (laughs) No, but actually I do really like this scene. I think the goat just looks, just when it gets the Lamia into it, it sort of becomes like a, it looks like a Disney illustration. That I kind of don't like, but I really like this. I like the soul hopping. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. Um, I know. And it like, it, it just like builds up and it has this epic ending to it. And you're like, yes, they did it. Yeah. I love the ghost too. The, even the ghost coming forward, even though they have nothing to do yeah. with it. I think that's a really cool I think moment. That moment with that laughing ghost is like flying through, like is like moving things in the room before. They, oh that yes. Part the is, little mischievous scary. one. That one. It, it, it was scary. That, it is that scary. Ghost sounds really terrifying to me. And, and even like Shauna looking sort of like, Shauna. um, LaShawn <laughs> beyond, uh, oh, Sean Sandina. <laughs> um, I'm like, why are you laughing? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome <laughs> to the stage, Sean Sandina. Yeah. Sean and San Diego. Yeah. Even her getting possessed. So she sort of looks like Sylvia a little bit, I thought. Oh my God, yeah. When she, yeah, when she gets teeth, that demon in those her. Little, those teeth, those sharp ass teeth. I think the Lamy is very scary, even though like we never really see it. I think just the idea of it and the things that it says and how it makes people look when it possesses them is really scary. Oh, totally. Oh, we forgot to talk okay. about this fight scene in the shed before the seance. This to me okay. is the most absurd scene in the film. It's the most absurd. To the po- it's the most this absurd. This is the one I'm like, Ugh, but I. <laughs> there are some funny moments in it, but it just it. This is like peak absurdity for this movie, which is crazy because yeah. 
in a couple minutes we have a talking goat but like this is yeah this is crazy like this i do like the moment where she punches her in the mouth and she looks like a giant ass fucking blow-up doll like sucking on her <laughs> arm <laughs> just, yeah that makes and she's laugh. kind of just like looking around like her eyes yeah. are just looking around <laughs> i'm like, how I'm like this bitch is getting fisted oh and she's like looking around like oh my god there's an arm in my face I'm like, how, like, how do they even think of this right and like i don't know it's crazy the one part that i just i don't like is the anvil the anvil about okay fucking animaniacs yeah, like an Ac- <laughs> acme produ- like productions or whatever. yeah acme <laughs> but it is kind of funny when it smashes her head and then those cgi eyeballs fly <laughs> it's just like oh my god into her mouth i was like i just yeah it just i was like this is a little ridiculous. I actually don't like that scene, but but it is one of those ones where I think it's just a little more acceptable than the nosebleed. Where I'm kind of like, okay, this is fucking ridiculous, and the anvil hanging oh there. Oh my like, god! How did Christine? How did Christine tie that up in her shed? Like, what, is, what the what hell is, is going for? on? I don't know. It's but I but I like I don't it, for this moment. For this moment, yeah, she was ready. She was like the fucking road runner. <laughs> Yeah. All she needed was a red dynamite, the <laughs> TNT. <laughs> but I, I kind of like this idea that Sylvia keeps coming back to fight. I think still Sylvia is scary. And I watched an interview with that woman who played Sylvia, Lorna Raver. Lorna Raver, and the interviewer was like, "You're probably going to be considered one of the, like the the scariest female horror villains of the you know of the 2000s." I was like, "That's probably true." Oh, a peri- a period. Period. She's scary. I think that. I, I think she's underrated. Um, as a scary villain yeah because i think whether whether you like this movie or not i think we all have to agree that the character of sylvia is very scary and the way lorna raver plays her does it does a very good job she's the what what do they call that the uh the crone like the old scary witch like type right the sort of snow white (laughs) yeah Uh that's that's what she is she's the crone so then yeah we have that seance and we think everything is Hunky dory and Chris again, once yeah. again, we I think it's it. all good. And Christine, it's she, it's even playing out like it's the end of the movie. I love it. Like, Christine is sort of wrapping up the film with her little reflective monologue about uh-huh. you know what, what just happened, and then and Shinzina's died because yeah, she, she's achieved her goal. Yeah, and you're like, oh wow, what a beautiful ending. And Ram Joss is like, uh, no, that's not, it's not over. We didn't kill the goat, no. the point was to put the spirit in the goat and kill the goat we didn't do that this is still going on she's like what he's like this is where i would have been like i want my motherfucking money back bitch yeah, seriously so le- wrong so let's uh continue so we find out what that has to happen next in order for her to fucking beat this thing Rom informs Christine that the Lamia was only banished from the seance not for good as the goat was never slaughtered he then tells her that the owner of the cursed object, her coat button, will be dragged to hell and that by giving the button away, the curse will take them instead. He puts the button in a white envelope and gives it to Christine. Driving home, Christine has a vision of Sylvia in the middle of the road, causing Clay to slam on the brakes and for her to drop the envelope into a pile of papers on the floor of Clay's car. At a diner, Christine looks around at potential people to give the button to. Okay, can I just mention real quick? Christine is spelled wrong in almost. Oh, every I know, single I know, sentence. I know. It almost. <laughs> I was like, whatever. <laughs> I was like typing so fast while watching the movie. I was like, every time I spell Christine, it's fucking wrong. Christine. Yeah, Chrisitney. Chrisitney Spears. 
Oh, Lamia, Lamia. So Christine looks around at potential people to give the button to, almost choosing a man who looks like he's at the end of his life, but she can't do it. Christine decides to call Stu and claims she knows he sabotaged her into not getting the promotion. Stu shows up, desperate, but she can't get herself to gift even him the button. Seeing her obituary, Christine contemplates with Rom if it's possible to gift the button to the dead Sylvia Ganoush. On her way to the cemetery, she's attacked by the floating handkerchief <laughs> as the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, with a that now has a face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As the rain pours, she digs up Sylvia's grave and opens her coffin. The corpse fights back, but Christine is able to make a formal gift of the button to Sylvia. Christine tries to crawl away. Oh, wait. <laughs> Chrisidney, it's again. I wrote Chrisidney again. Uh, Chrisidney, it's in every <laughs> sentence. It's well, your fingers are moving too yeah. fast. Christine tries to crawl her way out of the grave that is rapidly filling with muddy water, even after being hit with the cross tombstone. This is, again, another epic finale. <laughs> but I think we, yeah. we need to start at this, uh, at this diner scene, because I think this is probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Emotionally, right? Emotionally, yeah, it does have a it does have a different feel than the rest of the movie. Yeah, because it, it really does bring up this moral question: like, what do you do? Like, who deserves to be dragged to hell? Like, how do you go about making this decision? And I can think of a few people. Oh my god, no. I know, literally, um, <laughs> that's not true. But like, true. especially like because we see her like look around and she sees that old man sitting there who has like a respirator, and she's probably in her mind. Like thinking, like well, he's he's lived his life, you know, and, and yeah. but the thing is, is that there's no dialogue during this moment. She's just looking around the room. So you are actively in this scene with her. Like, what would I do? Yes, you know, you're thinking. You're thinking for yeah, her. You're like, thinking for she her. She sees the old man. You're like, well, he's almost dead. He's I almost mean. dead. But then, you, and, and then the wife comes in. Yeah, and you're, and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's like, so oh, sad. But, sweet little old couple. But then you also have to think, like, it's not just killing somebody it is literally damning their soul to hell eternal for eternity. damnation <laughs> so it's like it is a huge decision like what do you do who does who deserves this and it's like sure he's he's almost dead but do you want him to burn in hell just because he's on a respirator yeah, like, like that's not fair and she knows that <laughs> and she can't go through yeah. with it and that's why she's like who's the most despicable person i know She's like, okay, well, Stu. So she even gets Stu to come out here crying, being a fucking pussy-ass bitch. Like, oh, I'm right. like confessing that he did sabotage her. And like, cause she had a, she had a, a, a pro- file on her desk. She had a project that she was working on and that she was really hoping was going to be successful. And he fucked it up. He like stole that file and ruined and caused her to lose the promotion right, exactly and so fucker and so she's like yeah Stu, i'm gonna give it to Stu." but then even when he gets there even with how despicable he is she's like i can't do it i don't i don't feel like it's right to damn him to hell and so then she's like she gets a bright idea and she's like you know who deserves this sylvia's motherfucking ass Right, since she wanted to be playing games and yeah. giving me curse, giving curse, to me curses. She thinks that yeah. it's her right to damn my soul to hell. 
Well, damn her soul to hell. God damn it. Right. I'm rubber, you're glue. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, um, and then we have this epic sort of, <laughs> this is when the movie feels like it's most exaggerated. Even like the set. I feel like once Christine gets to the this cemetery. Break, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels larger than life. And, you know, she like crawls, she digs into this grave and all of a sudden, like the grave itself feels enormous. Yeah. She's like eight feet under. Yeah. She's (laughs) like 18 feet underground and the rain is pouring as it never does in LA. And And the lightning. Yeah. The lightning and like. The sky is sort of purple. Yeah. It's like, and this is when we get like Christine becoming similar to Ash where she's like saying these these one-liners. She's like, "I'm gonna get some," and this is oh, yeah. this is Sam Raimi really uh, establishing her as his new little heroine or his new little hero mm-hmm. of his story, which I really like. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah. but I really like this. It's a nice, it's a nice little wink to the fans yeah. too, who can really pick up on those small yeah, those exactly. lines. Because Ash says something very similar in the Evil Dead films, and so um, I don't know. I really like this grave scene. I think it's again this fight with the corpse. Sylvia Ganush does not go down without a fight. That's a stubborn old woman. She's a stubborn old bitch, and she keeps ripping out her hair. Do you think her soul is sort of like puppeteering her body? Oh, maybe. She's like she's like using her arms like a puppet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what Sylvia's doing. She has a lot of time in the afterlife to do that. Yeah, I don't know, and yeah, so I just feel like everything is so gigantic, and then like just how. It's it looks like, like a Tim Burton cartoon. Yeah, it does. It does totally. <laughs> yeah. Just like a, like geometry of it all looks like kind of yes. askew. The lines and the uh, the abstract sort of angles yeah, they use. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. angular. And then like the filling up the grave with water. I think that's really cool. But my God, again, poor Allison Lohman was probably so exhausted filming this shit. Like, oh yeah. And she had an allergic reaction to at the actual mud that was being used. So they had to bring in like special mud for her to drown in. <laughs> yeah. Because she was, was like, breaking out in hives and rashes. Like Oreo dye. She's like, it wasn't to be a diva. It was just because I was breaking out and I had to, <laughs> I'm like allergic to everything. So they had to bring in like oh special mud to drown yeah. me in. Shit. God, she said that she said this scene is when she was the most exhausted because it was in the last two weeks of filming. Yeah, and it took two weeks to film. Can you imagine doing this every day for two weeks? Being soaking wet and and crawling through fake mud, being cold, uh, like shoveling dirt. Like, she was probably so... And what's crazy is that Alison Lohman did all of her own stunts. There's only one moment in this particular scene where they do, like, a a body double from behind trying to crawl out of the grave. But everything else is completely Alison Lohman. Good for her. And do you know what? This is Christine and Alison Lohman at her most badass when she's like standing above Sylvia's grave and she's like, I formally gift you this fucking button, bitch. And like, she just looks. And she kicks it into her mouth. Yeah, she kicks it in her mouth and she's just full on badass. I love that scene. Yeah, I, I just feel so empowered for her. And I'm like, finally. And then she starts drowning. Yeah, then she starts drowning. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, run. But it's like, help, I'm drowning. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> and I love this, like, when she pops out of the water and then the cross tombstone just goes, ding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Um, yeah, but this is also our second false ending. Yeah. 
almost like a third one in a way. Yeah, I almost. guess. Almost. Count the cat. Yeah, if you count the cat. But yeah, so like, the sun will come out tomorrow. Like, you know, the sun comes up and it's seemingly like, seems like everything is... Back to is normal. Back to normal for her. She's gifted the button to Sylvia and her soul is going to hell. So let's finish this off. Let's do it. The next day, everything seems to be going well. Christine's boss even calls to tell her that Stu was fired for sabotaging her and that she will be the new assistant manager. Yay! Yay! Christine, finally! You did it, girl. Congrats! When Christine arrives at Union Station for her planned weekend trip with Clay, she spots a beautiful light blue coat in the window and makes an impulse buy to commemorate the special trip. While they wait for the train, she confesses that it was her decision to deny Sylvia the loan and accepts that responsibility. After telling Clay that she threw away her old coat, he's disappointed because he found the envelope with the button still in his car. Ah! Oh, fuck! Christine seems to have gifted Sylvia Ganesh the envelope containing the rare coin she previously gifted to Clay after accidentally picking it up from the pile of papers on his car floor. Christine, realizing that she is still the owner of the button and that it is day four, backs up and falls onto the train tracks. Just as she is about to be run over by an oncoming train, the ground below her splits open and demonic hands reach up and pull her into hell as Clay watches on. The end. Oh my god. Oh no. It happened. She was dragged to hell. Oh my god. So our friends over at the Spilling Guts podcast didn't realize what this scene was. They said, How did this <laughs> how did this bitch not feel an empty envelope where a button should have been? <laughs> <laughs> bitch, we love you. It's the Come coin, on. bitch. I, I uh, actually remember? messaged them right away and said, you're fucking stupid. No, I, <laughs> I, I said, it was a coin. They're like, I guess I have to rewatch. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Clay's nerdy ass collects these rare coins and she works at a bank. And early in the movie, she found a rare one and she gave it to him in a white envelope. And then his messy ass had that pile of paper on the floor. And then <sighs> she picked up the wrong one. And it's like, <sighs> this is his fault. It's his fault for sure. And you know, why she can't, she can never catch a break. She can no. never catch a break. And, and she looks so cute in this scene. She looks fucking sweet as pie again. Yeah, her hair is perfect. Hair looking great. She looks rested. She looks rested. She, uh, she buys that new coat. What a cute shade of periwinkle. Yeah. A powder blue. <laughs> yes. If you will. Yeah. And then the twist. Sam, he couldn't. He just couldn't let her live. No, and um, you know she gets dragged into hell. Which again, I feel like we always knew this was going to happen. Even the marketing let us know that this was going to happen in the film. So it's I on the poster. Right. <laughs> I guess it's not about if she was going to go to hell. We always knew she was going to do it. It was about the journey when? and deciding for your yeah. It was about the journey and deciding for yourself whether or not you think that this is justified is this is this punishment too much for what she did yeah i think that is the crux of the film totally it's called drag me to hell she's going to hell right right yeah (laughs) Yeah, she gets dragged to hell we we had to see it it wasn't gonna be the boy in the beginning 
Um, exactly. I feel like it's undeserved. I don't think that Christine deserved this. I think everybody was a fucking asshole to her, including Sylvia. She's just the victim of an unfortunate circumstance. Agreed. And do you know who who also agrees that it's not justified? Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah. He's he's like he's like I don't think that she deserved to to get dragged to hell, but she did. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there was no way like, out of it. There was no way out of it. I mean, the curse is the curse. Yeah. It is. What it, is. it wouldn't so, it wouldn't be what it is without that final ending. Right. Totally. We need we need her to go to hell. Yeah, we needed her to go to hell, but I don't know. I, it sucks that she did, but I've always wanted the sequel that I don't think we'll ever get. But I mean, because Sam Raimi in a 2019 interview brought up that he's like, you know, people really want a sequel. He's like, but to be honest, I think the the ending sort of speaks for itself, and I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what story to tell. Well, I, I do remember when we were talking about the Evil Dead sequel uh, coming up, Evil Dead Rise, that we you were sort of yeah. talking about the idea that maybe there could be some sort of a crossover. And I know Ugh, I wish one of the theories online was that they, they, this could totally work, that Ash could go to hell and meet Christine there and they can sort of yes. battle the forces of evil together. Um, would that be amazing? That would be amazing. Uh, I, I wa- I want that so badly. And a lot of <laughs> I people do. I, so on our on our Instagram, we said, would you live for this crossover? We posted a picture of Christine and Ash together looking like they're, you know, ready to fight crime or, you know, the demonic forces <laughs> of hell. Right. Um, and the Carpenter Queen said, I would. There's crime there. Uh, right. I'm sure. <laughs> there has to be. I'm sure. <laughs> the Carpenter Queen said, I would absolutely be here for this crossover. Um, Long Live Horror 13, our friend Jordan said, always up for a crossover and any and always anything related to the Evil Dead. Um, and then Film Overlower, Overload said, this would be one of the best crossovers ever. So we're not, right. al- we're not alone in this. People want it. People want it. And I love that other people feel the same way about that. I would love to see the return of Christine. I know she's in hell, but there, who's to say that she can't get out of hell? Right. Sylvia's ass is running around, you know, tormenting people. So why can't Christine have a second chance? She deserves to be saved. And even in an interview in 2009, where Justin Long is talking about it, um, I think the interviewer asked him and and Allison Lohman about a sequel. And she was like, oh, that would be fun. She's like, I mean, I probably wouldn't be in it. And Justin Long was like, what do you mean? He's like, my character would go down to hell and save you. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. So like, even <laughs> oh, they okay. thought that, like, this is the obvious, the obvious choice of what to do for a sequel. Somebody yeah. needs to go to hell and, and save, save Christine. What if Clay, it's very, it's very, what if Clay very, seeks uh, out Ash? Rid- what, is, what is it? Eurydice? It's like the old Greek tra- tragedy where, um, that like hate the Broadway musical Hades Town is based on. It's about it's like this Greek tragedy about this girl who gets dragged to hell. Oh, and um, and Specific. her boyfriend, her boyfriend goes down to hell to rescue her. Yeah, what if he seeks out Ash's help, Ash and his team? Yeah, hello. I think that would be brilliant. I want it. It would be Give cool. It, it would definitely be fan service, and I think that people would oh, eat that sure. shit up. Oh, are you kidding me? Absolutely. And so, and then what uh, if Mia popped up too? And you would—that's exactly what I was about to say. Yes, yes. Bring in Mia. That would be fucking brilliant. Uh, Oh Oh my my god. God. 
we solved it. This is gonna, uh, this is gonna cure COVID. This is gonna, <laughs> you know, this is gonna change everything. This is gonna solve student debt. This is going. This to... is gonna save movie theaters. Yes, <laughs> this is gonna save movie theaters. This oh, is... I don't know. I, I, I would fucking is... live for that. And I, I mean, I'm not like a major fan of like any of these franchises, but I think that would be fucking awesome. That'd be awesome. I That'd be amazing. Be great. It would be the most fan service. That would be franchise so exciting. Get. Whether or not you're a, like you're, whether or not you're a fan yeah. of any of these movies, that would be fucking exciting. And it's a perfect time to do it. People are loving bringing these franchises back and bringing people back. I mean, look at Halloween. People are so stoked for Halloween Kills because it's bringing back core people from the franchise. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, so I mean I think this could do the same thing. Bring back Ash. I think that would be bring great. Back bring back Christine. Yeah, bring her back. What's Allison Lowen doing these days? I looked at her Instagram. She says that she is an actress, a wife, and a teacher. Oh, I think she teaches acting. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. You know I love her in White Oleander. I knew you were gonna say, to that. say that. Yep. You love that movie. I love I that movie. It's it. so cool. It's such a good movie. Oh I my god, it's Bi- such a good movie. I loved her in Big Fish. Oh yes, yes, she's in that. She, she is in that. Um, okay, so final thoughts. Final thoughts on Drag Me to Hell. Final thoughts rating. on Drag Me to Hell and rating. Okay, so my final thoughts are again like the, the some of the choices I don't fully understand. I do feel like I understand them in the Evil Dead franchise. I just don't feel like they translate very well here. However, with that being said, I do think that this is a very fun and entertaining movie. It's like a thrill ride, it, it, and it, totally. and it's definitely for the purpose of audience reaction. And I think that it does its fucking job. I love the con. I love the lighting. I love the cinematography. I don't love all of the CGI, unfortunately. It's just a product of its time, though. Um, But I do think that this is a fun film, but I think it could have been better. Sure. Yeah. Well, so out of five. Okay, so out of five, I would say three. Five buttons. Five buttons. Out of five buttons, three buttons. (laughs) Right. Um, I would give it four out of five buttons. I okay. really love, I do really love this movie. Um, definitely one that I could watch over and over. Uh, it's so entertaining. It's just the perfect sort of you know, horror movie night to watch with, or like movie to watch with friends. Definitely. Uh, I think I, I, I love the concept. I think it's super ri- original. I think it's, I don't know. And it's such a good morality tale and it really gets you thinking because you know, it has more to say than just, you know, the zany, the zany action that happens and everything. There is actually a, a moral question that goes along with it. Like, what would I do in this situation? And and also, is what happens to her justified? And I think it gets you thinking once you leave the theater. And I think that is a sign of a movie that transcends just purely entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would give it a four out of five. I'm a big fan of Drag Me to Hell. Nice. Yes. Well, we definitely dragged this one to hell. Bitch, yes, we did. We dragged this for two hours. (laughs) Yeah. To quote New York, take the highway. (laughs) No, wait. Take the high road to all the way to hell, bitch. What did she say that? In uh, New York Goes to Hollywood. And she goes, uh, I'm just going to be the bigger person and take the high road. She goes, take the high road all the way to hell, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that uh, drags this one to hell. So let's uh, 
plug our little social medias like we like to do. Yes. So, uh, first of all, before anything, don't turn this off. Leave us an Apple Podcast review. We would love a new one. We need, you know, hype us up. Give us five stars. Yes. And, um, you know, who knows? We can become big, famous superstars all yeah. because of you. And we'll take you with us. We're going to start reading your guys' reviews on uh, that you leave on our Instagram. So follow us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. Yes, absolutely. We plugged this in the beginning of the episode, but make sure you head to our website, fearthetalkingqueers.com, where you can find our merchandise. If you want a quicker way, hit slash store, and that'll take you right to our merch shop where you can buy all your new t-shirts you want. We got ones that say, hey, bitch. We got ones with... Sweet screams, bitch. Sweet screams, bitch. And we got um, VHS stacks. We have a whole bunch of cool stuff. So make sure you head that way for that so um i think that about wraps it up that does it all right well sweet screams bitch bye Bye. bitch